Very thankful once again to be joined by Illinois State Senator Terry Bryant. Terry, thank you so much for the time. Hey, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be on your show. So recently I saw that you put out a press release, very concerned, as I think anybody would be, about the level of fraud and the level of um, misuse of uh, pandemic relief money as detailed in a report by the Illinois Inspector General. Yeah, so, you know, that um, report from the Inspector General was because of a um, request uh, by the legislature. It was led by Senator Chapin Rose to do an audit of the system because we really strongly believed uh, that there was an incredible amount of fraud uh, that, you know, now that that audit has been completed, we see that there was $5 billion, that's with a B, $5 billion of fraud. Just to put it in perspective, that's 10% of our annual budget. Now, the governor's office is pushing back and saying, well, that was federal dollars that were fraudulently taken, but I would argue those were federal dollars that were sent to Illinois and regardless of whether it's taxpayer money at the state level or taxpayer money that comes from the federal level, it's still Illinois taxpayers that are footing the bill for all of this fraud that we think could have been at least curbed, if not avoided. Well, and there was a lot of the money that went to deceased people and to people that were incarcerated. Well, that's exactly right. And so they're at the at the last part of that um, of that audit, uh, w- one of the two things that were mentioned were uh, safeguards that should have been put up in order to defend against that kind of fraud. And at the date of the delivery of the fraud audit, so just back to I think it was July 26th, If you back up just to the date of when that report was issued, the Pritzker administration still had not put the safeguards in uh, for those two issues. So um, we can they can go back and stutter and stammer all about all of this and how it's not their fault back in the day uh, because we were in the middle of a pandemic. But we're not in the pandemic anymore. And if those safeguards have still not been put up, we are still in danger of fraud happening right now to the tune of $5 billion. Well, there was a lot of people, myself included, of course, who got uh, letters in the mail saying something about the unemployment benefits that we had applied for. And, of course, people knew that they had not applied for any unemployment benefits. And so that was one of those symptoms as things went along that uh, there were it was sort of a leaky ship. Yeah, and you know that uh, at one time that was the number one call coming into our office, sec- second only to void card issues. So the number one uh, thing coming in, Kathy, uh, who a lot of a lot of the listeners will know, uh, who is my chief of staff, spent days on end <clears throat> dealing with those issues. In fact, Kathy got so good at trying to help folks with it. That, that, that there was literally a phone number posted on an IDES site in the Chicago area that people were supposed to call to get help. It was supposed to be with the IDE, IDES office, but it was our office phone number. So, you know, even IDES in some form or fashion was sending folks to our office because they often didn't know what to do. 
um, anyway, it's, you know, we're still getting phone calls from people right now who are getting letters saying that they have to pay money back that they never got. Uh, every time we had someone call this office, the first thing we told them to do was file a fraud case with the Department of Employment Security and then also to make sure that they uh, hired um, someone to watch their finances, like, you know, Expedia or whoever, just to make sure that somebody was monitoring their credit. Uh, but we're still getting calls today with people who are saying that they're now going to be prosecuted uh, because they were fraudulently received uh, benefits. Uh, first of all, they would admit that they weren't due the benefits, but then on top of that, they never got the benefits because they filed fraud cases. So in some cases, the people went through the right, uh, jumped through all the right hoops, and uh, Department of Employment Security still doesn't have it right. And to be honest with you, the person who was running... Um, the unemployment services at that time uh, was never fired. Uh, Kristen, Richard, Chris, Kristen Richards, and I believe now she's in charge of DCEO. So no, no one has been held accountable uh, that we can tell from any level. And so now the questions are: um, Don't make excuses for what happened in the past. What are you doing about it now? Senator Terry Bryan is with us today. Another thing that. Uh stands out to me when I think about this period of time and the fraud and misuse that was going on. Former state Senator Ricky Hendon, I'm sure you're familiar with his name. Mm-hmm. He actually produced a music video called Rona Money, uh, which uh, was filmed and uh, just made a whole theme of the song about how everybody was gaming the system, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, uh, that's something that users might, or listeners rather, might want to um, search on YouTube. Uh, I'll, I'll have to do that after a while because I haven't seen that, but um, Ricky Hendon can sometimes be very entertaining. Yes. Well, there's a reason, <laughs> they, there's a reason they called him Hollywood Hendon. Yes, that's right. He, you know, he was a speed reader. I remember at one time I was visiting the legislature before I was elected, and um, someone had asked for an entire bill to be read. Uh, it was one of those that they throw out there. They're like 800 pages long. And I think someone was stalling, you know, to try to get more time to read the bill. And um, Ricky Hendon was actually reading the bill. He's a speed reader. And it was crazy. I guess he jumped through all the hoops to have to read it, but certainly weren't getting anything out of it. Well, the other story that uh, political aficionados might want to a look up is the time that uh, Ricky Hendon and Barack Obama got into a fist fight outside the <laughs> Capitol over funding of a neighborhood school in Chicago. But that's another Hi. story for another time. Um, I wanted to also visit with you about, I don't think we've spoken since the uh, Safety Act was found mm-hmm. constitutional by the Illinois Supreme uh, Court. Uh, what's your reaction to uh, that issue? Well, you know, um, I think we, we maybe talked about it just briefly when the when when it first uh, kind of hit the you know kind of hit the fan uh, that that it was going to be constitutionally upheld. I think now that it's been upheld, we need to start picking it apart a little bit. And a lot of the listeners know that uh, I was the uh, I'm a survivor of childhood domestic violence. 
um, when I was uh, nine years old. Well, actually, from the time I was five until I was nine, I lived in a household with a very abusive stepfather who later um, uh, my mother shot and killed uh, in order to save my life. So domestic violence is something that's a trigger for me. And when I see something that I think really hurts victims, uh, uh, it, it's not just a trigger for me, but it's also, I don't know, it's, it's also something that I really want to stand up and shout to people, this isn't right. In the case of the Safety Act, everybody is focusing on, um, in regard to cashless bail, which I think is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have looked at that and said, okay, no cash bail now. If you are victim's rights, I'm sorry, if you are a uh, criminal uh, justice reformer, so I, I would call them the pro-criminal uh, advocates, then you don't want there to be cash bail. There's an argument to be had, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but they make a you know, they make a, an argument that no one should be kept in jail just simply because they can't afford to get out of jail. So rich people can pay to get out. Poor people cannot pay to get out. I understand that argument. Uh, but the real argument with the Safety Act is the fact that with cash bail and the fees that will no longer be uh, starting in September, that you'll no longer be able to um, to to get to get. About 30%, 31%, 32% in some cases, go to victims. For instance, um, if you're convicted of a felony sex offense, 31% of the fee is applied to places like child advocacy centers, violent crime victims assistance funds, sexual assault services funds, domestic violence shelter funds. Um, and even if it's a misdemeanor sex offense, 32% of the fee is applied to those same funds. So there are, uh, it's, it's been a real problem. We brought that up on the floor of the Senate when the, uh, actually it was in the house then. So on the, on the house floor, um, in regard to the fact that all of these really worthy places would not be funded. So it's not just a matter of how much is going to go to the Jackson County board, right. To fund the courthouse. It's actual, uh, it's actual um, victims who will no longer be funded. During that debate, legislators who were advocates uh, for this said that they that the legislature would would uh, backfill that money. They'd find a place for that to come. Well, we're two and a half years in, and there's been no backfilling of that. So in September, when those fees are no longer collected, and restitution, think about that, restitution gets paid out of all of this. Jackson County alone is going to uh, uh, lose around $600,000. Jefferson County, which is my largest county, $750,000 uh, is going to be lost. And if you're like the city of Chicago or Cook County, it's in the millions, the multiple millions of dollars. Where do you think that money's going to come from? It has to be passed on to property taxes. So we need to be figuring out where this money is going to come from. I would first go to the billions of dollars that is being spent for uh, illegal immigrants. We're spending more money right now on non-citizens who are here illegally than we're about to spend on the victims who are citizens in this state. Illinois State Senator Terry Bryant with us today unpacking some 
concerning financial issues that are stemming from the implementation of the Safety Act, which will actually begin September the 1st? Yes, I believe that's correct. And uh, I know that in speaking with some area state's attorneys, they are very concerned and expressing some of the very same things that you're talking about here today. Think about this, Will, when you don't have those uh, that bail money available. You know, I worked for Department of Corrections for 20 years, and quite often um, the inmates uh, at the correctional facilities were paying restitution into the funds from their, you know, their meager amount of money that they were making at the prison. So maybe a dollar a month coming out of the $15 a month that they were making. So is there still going to be money for? Uh, restitution for crime victims, yes, but it might be at the rate of a dollar a month. Well, I don't know what else we can really say about it. The Safety Act was bad legislation passed in the middle of the night. We're the only state in the union that has taken this approach. And, um, you know, bad process makes for bad law. And uh, those two things were both very uh, hyper-present in in this piece of legislation. Yep. The, 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 our state needs to do better and supporting and uplifting victims. The Safety Act is not about victims. The Safety Act is about criminals. And that's sad. Uh, Terry Bryant, I also wanted to, I don't know why this crosses my mind, but I thought maybe you could give me an update. Maybe you could not. Um, the TAMS Correctional Facility, recently mm-hmm. I was talking with uh, Representative Jacobs, and he was trying to get a working group together or something. Um, does that facility, uh, is it just still sitting there without any action as far as you know? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I passed a, a, a resolution uh, several years ago to implement uh, that working group. The unfortunate thing was at the time, um, President Cullerton was still in place he did not like to um, appoint the senators uh, on the House work, you know, a task forces or working groups that the House put together. It just never got off the ground. Now, the reason a working group is necessary, and I would be happy to help Representative Jacobs uh, in his efforts for that. The reason it's necessary is we've lost sight of the fact that the property that sits there was donated by multiple entities, the Village of Tams. Union County, and so on and so on. And it was it was donated to the state uh, expressly for the purpose of creating that prison facility there. With the p- prison facility not there any longer, if they're not, if the state is not going to use it in a productive way and allow for property taxes and sales, you know, the sales tax benefits that would come from a business there and so forth, then they need to return it to the entities that originally donated that property in some way, shape, or form. So they either need to use it, the state needs to use it in a productive manner, or they need to return it to the entities that so generously donated to the state in the first place instead of just sitting on it. Uh, I feel very strongly about that. I would really love to at least see the work work camp that was there uh, started again. We definitely need uh, those work camps in place, even if they're used for vocational training. It wasn't just the Supermax that closed. It was the TAMS work camp that was closed as well. And no one 
in the legislature then or now can explain to me why a work camp had to be closed. And for that matter, you know, Will, while we're on this subject, let's remember that the state has also illegally closed the Dixon Springs and DuCoin boot camps, and they're lying about it and saying that they didn't do it. But at DuCoin right now, there's there's only enough staff there to make sure that there's not a fire and there's no inmates there. That's inexcusable and it's illegal. And the Prisker administration needs to answer for that. Illinois State Senator Terry Bryant with us today discussing some issues with the Department of Corrections as well as the Safety Act and uh, other matters. The fall veto session uh, is really the next official uh, action in Springfield, I presume, or is there, are there other things that I'm not aware of? Uh, that's our next action as a body. Um, I have a uh, update meeting this morning via uh, WebEx or Zoom uh, on, the, on Shote Mental Health and how the uh, how that is progressing uh i do know that um id um idhs um has uh taken a uh approach at this point to the uh those with intellectual disabilities and developmental disabilities uh in getting them moved i don't i can't find any way to keep that from happening at this point under this administration but I will say that Director Grace Ho has been um, uh, sen- sensitive to the needs of the folks that are there, and they're doing it in a very slow uh, and um, compassionate way. So in that regard, I've been happy to see uh, the way it's being handled. Um, there's some other things. I, uh, there may be a group of us. Uh, taking a trip to uh, three countries in Europe coming up soon uh, to look at solar and how the solar is being used uh, with um, non-traditional crops, tomatoes, strawberries, uh, vineyards. Uh, Very excited about that. Uh, There's a board at SIU, used to be called the Clean Coal Board. It's now called the Advanced Energy Resource Board. I serve right now as the chairman of that board, and uh, it's bipartisan and bicameral, so I think it'll be a... uh, And I'll I'll be paying for my own way, just so the listeners know I'm not using taxpayer money for that. Um, And uh, so I think there's a lot of exciting things that are that are going on around and some very thoughtful things that are happening. In regard to uh, Shote, since we're talking about it, I just want to remind everyone that there was a cemetery at Shote that goes back to possibly having a Civil War veteran buried there. For some reason, the powers that be, a couple decades ago perhaps, pushed those tombstones down a gully, and so the graves are unmarked. At this point, I have approached um, the Department of Human Services uh, to do the right thing in regard to that cemetery. We may not be able to place the uh, tombstones back in the right places again, but we, we can be responsible enough to put up some kind of monument that has the names of those who passed. We know that DHS has those names, and uh, so we want to make sure that something gets done there. Uh, listeners might know the name Barry Smoot. Barry talks about this uh, talks about this very thing in his book, and I want to help Barry make sure that we do the right thing there. And I'm asking DHS to do the right thing as well. Senator Terry Bryant, we thank you so much for uh, your time as always. Thank you very much. Bye bye.